If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, and welcome everyone to the Riverfront Red Show. This is episode number 522 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast, where we will discuss, you guessed it, the Cincinnati Reds, and specifically how we feel about some of the narratives heading into the 2024 season. I'm your host, Nate Dotson, and with me this week is the podfather himself, Bill Lack. How's it going, Bill? Doing great, man. Doing great. Pitchers, pitchers and catchers next week. I love it. I appreciate you joining me today. And this is the last podcast before spring training starts. And I feel like we ask this question every week, but um, how, how excited are you? I'm very excited. In fact, by three weeks or three and a half weeks, I will probably be going to see a little bit of spring training baseball. Woo-hoo. Not Reds baseball. I'll be in Florida, but I might have to go see those terrible, those damn Cardinals just to s- scout them out a little bit. <laughs> Because they're real close. Just heckle them, heckle them from the seats. But it's great when you're in, when you're. I'm going to be in West Palm, and there's a ballpark 20 minutes to the north of where I'm at, and 20 minutes to the south of where I'm at. You can go see That's baseball perfect. twice a day, every day. That's killer. <laughs> I had a uh, took a trip in college down to Sarasota when the Reds were still there. Watched them. Drove over to Lakeland. I had a buddy that lived in Lakeland, so we got to see the them play. Uh, the Tigers at the time. Tigers. I'm not sure if yeah. they're still there or not, but I went to three different ballparks. I think had a fantastic. Time. I may have been slightly overserved at the first game and fallen asleep in the grass behind the outfield. Took a nap. I was good after that, though. Don't don't worry. We made it out. Yeah, <laughs> I've spent a lot of time in Ed Smith myself. Between when we we used to vacation in Sarasota, I saw I saw Jay Bruce playing the Gulf Coast League down there and there i was go. the only fan in the ballpark no way yeah it was the, the, the gulf coast league plays it used to play at noon at sarasota and ed smith and it was baking hot and i mean i called and i went i called him i said you know are these games open to the public and the purple the, um yeah <laughs> no no one's ever asked us that before no one's ever asked that question <laughs> But I, we, you know, I, I saw we went down there. We were down there for when they were when it was high A one year when Joey was still playing down there, and we saw a a, a doubleheader, twilight doubleheader, and the first game went twelve innings, and the second game went sixteen innings. Jeez. My wife, my wife made me leave at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? She stayed with you that long. Yes, she That's did. That's a trooper right there. She's a keeper. She's a keeper. Yeah, if anybody's never been to a spring training game, it is a lot of fun. I am hoping and praying I can make a, an Arizona trip happen. Yeah, I'd like to get out there, too. I saw the Reds play in spring training one time in Lakeland, like you did, when mm-hmm. Deion Sanders was with the Reds. Uh, and that's the only Red spring training game I've ever seen. I, I was kind of heartbroken when they moved to Arizona because mm-hmm. I was getting ready to retire. And I'm going, well, you know, we'll be spending time in Florida. It'll be great. And then they go to Arizona. Yeah, it's so it's just so cool getting to see you can go to one game and see, you know, twenty-five players. And then the uh the historical guys that are there just bopping oh, yeah. around and, and instructing the younger guys. It's a lot of fun. If anybody gets a chance to go, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. But before we go any further, as always, please head over to YouTube, give us a like, 
Give us a follow, subscribe, all those things. We're on all the podcast apps. You can like us there too. It helps the podcast grow, and we would like to grow. As someone who is 5'11 and a half, I understand what it's like to want to grow. So we're keeping that up here on the podcast. Um, also, and by far most importantly, uh, the show, we could not do it without the uh, support of our Patreon family. The gang over there is too, 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 too good. We don't deserve you. Um, if you'd like to join the family, head on over to uh, patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy. For as well as a couple bucks a month, you can join our Slack channels. We're doing monthly hangouts, which we are overdue for one. I apologize, Patreon fan. Um, we're looking at doing a uh, meetup at a res game this year. We've got some perks, T-shirts and mugs and all the stuff that you expect on a subscription-based thing. Mostly, we're just having a good time talking about everything. The Reds, the Bengals. Today was the hoops, the NBA chat, basketball chat was going crazy because it was the NBA trade deadline. So come on over, have a good time. We'd love to have you. And that's it, Bill. Let's get into some Reds talk. Let's do that. The I guess the big news this week, um, at least as far as the interwebs were concerned, is that the Pakoda projections came out. And I feel like they are a little more highly reputable. At least people like to believe they are. People get excited when, when they release theirs. And they weren't good. If you are a Reds fan, they were not good. They do not expect our Cincinnati Reds to be very good this season. As a matter of fact, they predict the Reds will win 78 games and finish fourth in the NL Central. If you've been listening to this podcast, uh, especially recently when we've been comparing the Reds to these other Central teams, that is quite a different narrative than what I've been spewing at people lately. And I think we've kind of been aligned on. So what was your initial reaction to just seeing – that win loss record, seventy eight and eighty four. Well, all of these, all of these projection things for the Reds have not been very friendly. Uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, I like it because mm-hmm. if you're one of the Reds players, chip on the shoulder, man. They're going to go into spring training. We're going to show you how good we can be. I like, I like teams that play with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, and and badmouth the team all you want, the media. We, we we'll they'll take that and use that as something to build on. The other thing, though. You know, you know how many wins the uh, Pakota projected for the Reds last year? How many? Sixty-seven. Oh. <laughs> so they were fifteen wins off. So if they're predicting seventy-four this year, we're going to win eighty-nine, I guess. You know, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take that and run to the bank with eighty-nine wins. A hundred percent. And you're right. I hadn't really thought about the whole bulletin board material. Yeah or aspect to it. And this team, they seem to kind of thrive on that. They did last year. They saw how people were questioning whether or not they were going to lose 100 games again. And I think you could say that Jonathan India was probably the the troop rallier in that regard. Said, hey, guys, we're we're better than this. We're pros. So if, if they use this as motivation again, more power to them. I'm all about it. The thing that jumped out to me the most – go ahead. I do, I, I do have to say, though, I don't understand all of these projections – projecting very little improvement from so many talented young players. And if you look at the projections on, on fan graphs, you look at the projections on, on uh, baseball reference, none of them are really project projecting much improvement from our young guys. And, 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 you know, I understand, and we're going to talk more about this in a little while. I don't expect everybody to progress, but some guys are going to progress. And and that doesn't really seem to be shown in any of these projections. Yeah. There were some weird things where they were saying, like, Christian Encarnacion Strand is going to be the best hitter on the team, but he's only going to play 99 games. Like, Yeah. Where's that coming from? Do they think that Matt McClain is just not that good? He's going to be a 250 hitter? So I I don't know. I know that a lot of these um, projection systems, what they do is they base their model on past performance, and it is notoriously difficult to project young players because mm-hmm. they just don't have the data to rely on. But then thinking the – Cardinals are going to win the division. They're just—I don't see it. I mean, Aaron, Aaron and Goldschmidt are studs. Sonny Gray's a stud. Jordan Walker, the rookie's a stud. But after that, I—I I mean, I can see them finishing dead last again. I can see them finishing anywhere three to five. Well, they're so old; they have all that historical data that you're talking about. See, I think that's it. <laughs> well, the other thing is, 
I would think a lot of it, 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 uh, the supposition about the Reds is based on concern about injuries. And, and it very well could happen again. But we had a lot of guys that were that were on that were injured last year that, you know, that are young. There's no reason to believe they're going to be hurt again this year. The Cardinals are all old. I would think the older you are, the more susceptible you are to injury. Because I know when I get out of bed every morning, I wonder what the hell's going to hurt that day. <laughs> I think I heard the guys over at Locked On calling them the Tapioca Pudding Brigade. <laughs> which I found hysterical. Wow. I like they, are, that. <laughs> they are leaning hard into how old the Cardinals are over there. Um, so yeah, the, the other big thing that really, really jumped out to me and Doug Gray over at redlegnation.com pointed this out was that they did project the Reds to score a handful more runs than they did last season. Let's see if I can pull up the exact numbers here. They project them to give up. So last year, the Reds scored 783, and they project them this year to score 795. So slight improvement offensively. Okay, whatever. I can I wrap my head around that. Last year, the Reds allowed 821 runs, and they expect the Reds to give up 829 this year. They expect the Reds' pitching to be worse yeah. than last year, and I can't see any universe where that's the case. I feel uh, like the pitching is so much better than last year. Yeah, sure. That top-level elite ace that we've all wanted that never materialized, I get it. But the depth and the the, the number three starter potential of every star pitcher on the roster just makes me think that uh, they are extremely undervaluing. Well, the, and, and like, and like you've said a million times here, you know, they gave 21 starts to Luke Weaver with a 687 ERA. Yeah. You know, and a, and a FIP of 586. You yeah. know, do you, or, do you really think the, the, that this team this year, with is, with the depth that they've improved the, the, the pitching staff with, that they're going to give 100 innings up to a guy with an ERA of almost seven? I, I don't see that. No, not if they're you – know, last year they had no expectations. No, they did not expect, uh, expect to be contending. This year they're going to expect to win games right out of the gate. So they can't afford to give those starts out and give those innings out. So I think their projections are crazy. If you can find, there's a reason that Vegas, you won't find a betting website anywhere that has the Reds over under at 78. I don't see. And if you do find it, send it to me because I'm going to put the mortgage on it. Yeah, if there is, I'm going to put some pretty good money and I, and I don't, and I'm a tight ass. So, you know, (laughs) but I would be betting the over on that dude. That's how you know it's a good deal. That's right. Um, as far as the Reds' chances for winning their division, they got a little bit better in my estimation because the Milwaukee Brewers might be mailing it in, Bill. They traded their ace, Corbin Burns, to Baltimore. I assume you saw that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I can't figure out what they're thinking is in Milwaukee. It, it, you know, it, it appears like they, they, you know, offensively they were, you know, they went out and spent a whole bunch of money. And they're you know, and they've still got some guys that can hit the ball, but then they, you know, they trade away their best pitcher. You know, it's like one guy thinks the wind is open, and the other guy's slamming it shut. Well, on one hand, I'm pretty pumped that he will no longer be in the National League Central. Um, I mean, he is a certified ace, 2021 Cy Young winner, top ten each of the last four seasons. What's the one thing I don't like about this is that I'm afraid, and time will tell if it's the right move or not, that this might be what we can expect from the above average to elite Reds players going forward. Trade them before the end of their deals. Get whatever you can back and try to just content, keep the wheel churning instead of locking these guys up super long-term. You know, it's a classic Brewers move. They got two young guys and a draft pick back. Both of their uh, guys they got back were, you know, at the back end of Baltimore's um, top 10 in their system. And Baltimore has a very, very good system. High potential middle infielder and left-handed pitcher. I mean, Milwaukee trusts their coach and their staff to turn these guys into gyms. And I don't know. I'm torn. I just feel like if you get a Corbin Burns, you you want to keep him. Well, that it's, guy, it's, it's, there's it's not the many team. aces out there. It's the Tampa Bay model. Yeah. I mean, and and it's tough to argue against the success that they've had down in Tampa. You know, if if I think that would still fill ballparks, if they went, if the Reds did 
followed that model. And I'm not saying that they have the capability to do that or the brains or whatever, or whether they should. Mm -hmm. But if this team was in contention every year, they wouldn't have to worry about attendance. That's a fact. If the team wins, people will go to the ballpark. We more saw so that last year. Yeah, more so than most other MLB cities. Cincinnati rallies behind their winner. Um, another takeaway I have to add from this was that that's not a ton of a, a cost. That's not, that's not a huge price for one year of one of the best pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. Obviously, yeah. interdivision trades, trades are rare, so there's no point in saying, all oh, the rich could have done that and tacked on somebody else. Fruitless, but if that's what you're getting for these one-year deals, that kind of changes the landscape of – the trade deadline a little bit because people were asking the moon. We saw it with Dylan Cease, who has multiple years of team control. But if there becomes this divide where you have to give up the farm for a player with multiple years of team control, but you can get a few months of somebody who's going to be a free agent for a whole lot less, if this kind of resets that market, I'm interested in that because we say here all the time, if the Reds want to make a true World Series push, either Hunter Green needs to be an ace, Frankie Montas needs to be an ace, or they need to go get one at the deadline. I think Lodolo has ace potential, sure, but I don't see him pitching enough this year just because they're going to have to put a limit on him. Well, in addition to the fact that, that if they're in, if, it, if if what you're saying is the case where you can get a you know a, a number a, a true number one at the deadline for one A prospect and one B prospect. And it'll push you into the playoffs. You know, if they'd have went out and got somebody last year, how can you say they wouldn't have made a playoffs when they finished two games out? Yeah. They could have got a couple guys in the bullpen. A couple yeah. more. Sam Mole was good. I'm a, I'm a Sam Mole fan, but I am too. But but one guy, you know, one one reliever who pitches every three days, you know, and he's basically pitching to left handers isn't a yeah. difference maker. He's not a guy that's gonna push you into the playoffs. Right. Well, it seems like Nick Crawl has a plan. Maybe what was available to him at the deadline last year wasn't part of his plan, but it does kind of seem like he has one, which is something that I have not felt confident about since he showed up in Cincinnati, which is, I guess, is a good time to sort of pivot to another thing I wanted to bring up. Did you see the Athletics 2024 fan survey results? Yeah, I printed out some of this stuff. I mean, and there, there really isn't anything real surprising in it, but there's some of it that's that. The, the the preponderance of the results is is kind of surprising. Like the, the first question was, how confident are you in ownership by, led by Bob Castellini? And the way they did this, there's a there, there's it's one through five, with one being very low and five being very high. And sixty one percent of the people were either low or very low on ownership, and ninety one percent were average low or very low. Yeah. Which checks out. Not yeah, much. I mean, yeah, it doesn't surprise me, but I, I am a little surprised after last year that more people haven't kind of pivoted to give an ownership more credit. I'm well, not. I was I was kind of proud of Reds fans because there are 17 people out there that are very confident in ownership, and those people need a lobotomy. <laughs> we need to talk to their primary care physicians, make sure they're okay. But whereas the ownership did not have that confidence, Nick Crawl's confidence – 46.7% had a four out of five and the next highest was 25.5% saying that they are all the way on a five. They're extremely confident. So well, average, average, are saying, averaging up t- totaled out to 93.8. Yeah. So, I mean, people are saying that we believe in Nick crawl. We don't quite care about this Castellini crew very much, but compare that to uh, ownership last year. That's still probably they'll still probably take that. The uh, the approval rating's gone up, that's for sure. But I think people are believing they're bu- they're buying into Nick Crawl's plan. I just really and I'm buying in. I'm not gonna lie. More time goes on. I'm I'm, I'm drinking the crawl aid, and I don't like it about myself. Crawl <laughs> aid. I like that. I like it. Just that. keeps happening. But I hope part of his plan is um, making a World Series push, not just a playoff push. But we'll see. Um, some other interesting notes. Um, the David Bell confidence meter, 42.4% with a four. I was surprised by that. And 40, 40% at, at three. So, I mean, basically people are saying, 
he's all right. Meh. Yeah. That's. I think that's where I am. I think the more I thought about it, I'm kind of at a three. There's better. There's worse. I think it's like your brother said. You know, I think it's your brother that says there's there's five really good managers and five really bad managers, and everybody else is in the middle. He's in the middle. Yeah, he's in the middle. And I think with this um, roster that Nick Crawl put together, it's going to eliminate a lot of the things that infuriate me about David Bell. The uh, the tinkering. I don't he just know. can't keep his hands off the lineup. I I don't know that it will. I I I think it'll keep us from seeing Kevin Newman leading off. But but I still think he's going to be jockeying all the time. In fact, I think now he's got more pieces to jockey with. And I agree with that, but I think that the pieces that he's jockeying with won't infuriate me. Right. They're, they're, they're going to be better, better players. Yeah. I agree. There'll be plenty of jockeying. And then instead of me being like, why is Nick Senzel batting against a right-handed pitcher in the bottom of the night for the third time this game? Because you pinch hit for Will Benson or Joey Votto in the third. Yeah. Those are gone. He definitely won't be pitching for Joey Votto this year. No, he will not. Well, we can't rule that out completely. I refuse to rule it out until it is it is happening. Until Joey signs with somebody, huh? Yep. Um, were you were you surprised? That, were you surprised about the question about the uh, position players and who would have the best career? So I was going to get to that one next. Okay. Yeah, I was. This was probably the one that shocked me the most. So we'll go ahead and read off what those numbers were. Well, they, 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 the question is, which of the Reds' 2023 rookie position players do you expect to have the best career? And number one was Matt McClain with 60% of the vote. 60%? And then it was Ellie with 26.7, and then it dropped to Spencer Steer and went down from there. And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be surprised if Spencer Steer has the best career of all of them. Ooh. Okay. Go, I, I, could go see on him, I could see him just being a you know a 110, 115 long career, you know, 110, 115 ERA or OPS plus for a long career, just a, a you know a, a, a really not a, a, an above average player for a long time. And and we'll probably never have a year as good as McLean will have or, or Ellie will have, but they'll just have a longer career because he's so versatile. And I may be wrong, but I just think he's going to be a steady guy. You know, that brings up a good way to analyze that question. If you're really breaking down the the parameters, mm-hmm. what the, Spencer Steer could be above average for 15 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas Matt McClain could set the world on fire for four or six or whatever. I was mostly surprised. I'm not surprised Matt McClain was the highest, had the highest percentage. I'm just surprised at the, the gap between him and Ellie. Ellie at 26.7. Um, I mean, I get it. Like, I get why people are high on Matt McClain. But Ellie's potential is so ridiculous. It's so much higher than Matt McClain's. And this is a pro Matt McClain podcast. I'm a pro Matt McClain guy. Absolutely. Love Matt McClain. I, but, you know, it, you know, and like we said, Steer may, may be a pretty good ball player for 15 years. Never make an all-star team, but always just be a really good ball player. And Ellie may have, you know, he may win an M, two MVPs in, in 10 years. You know, I, he's very, he's very, this is very, very possible. I think McLean, I don't think McLean's MVP type player, but I could see him being a multiple all-star game guy. Yeah, I agree with that. I'll tell you what, though, if we're looking at a scenario where um, we have to argue about which of these those three players specifically, because don't forget about CES. Yeah, you know, another guy that could that could end up putting a bit of a really nice career together. If we're talking about we're having the same debate in a few years because they're both playing so well, and we're looking at guys that are multi-time All Stars, then uh, it'll be pretty good. Th- yeah, this version of the Reds is going to be sitting pretty. They also did it with the uh, – also did want to mention real quick, the uh, Noelvi Marte was not an option in that exercise. They did have someone else. Like, you just choose, you know, the field. Yeah, they had an but, other, other, other. Yeah. It was specifically about the 2023 rookies, and Marte is technically a rookie this coming season. Um, they asked the same thing about the pitchers. Andrew Abbott ran away with it at 70.8%. He was going to have the best career. Um, I was mostly surprised that Connor Phillips finished second with – Seventeen point three percent. People are really high on him. Yep, and, and and I tell you what, 
from what the expectations were of Brandon Williamson going into the season last year, he gave them a good year. He did. I wonder if that's going to end up being a flash in the pan or people forget that when the Reds acquired him, he was a top 100 prospect. He was a dude a lot of people were really high on, and he was just so so rough when he first got in the organization that we let him slide, and it didn't help that he was rough up until he got to the Reds rotation. Yeah. Such a weird path for Brandon Williamson. And, and I think he's going to spend – hopefully spends the majority of this year at Louisville. Because that, yeah, I mean, that would mean our rotation is healthy. 100%. I hope he makes – 12 to 15 starts for the Reds this year, but he stays stretched out in Louisville and is an integral part to the postseason rotation or pitching staff in some regard. Did you see that as far as the 2023 rookie pitcher question? Somebody voted, I don't expect any to have good careers. <laughs> it makes you wonder why they're watching this team, doesn't it? <laughs> My initial question was, uh, which of you in Riverfront land was that? <laughs> We, we've been known to be the, the less rosy of Red's podcast on occasion. Um, I don't think there's anything else. I guess the only other one that I thought worth mentioning is uh, they asked if they thought the decision to not pick up Joey Votto's option was the right call. 45.7% say it was. 44.4% says they don't like it, but they understand it. And 8.8% said they hate it. Now, I voted on this, and I voted hate it because I personally do. But I think if I was being objective, which I'm certainly not, I would say don't like it, but understand it. Yeah, I I, I could have went on either one of those. I, I, I would have voted on one or the other of those. The other, the other yeah. question I found interesting was, um, which of the Red starters do you expect to have the best 2024? And what I found, it didn't surprise me that mm-hmm. Hunter Green ran away with it, even though I'm not sure that's the way I'd have voted. I, I, I think he's got enormous stuff, but I have not seen a whole hell of a lot of improvement in him in two years from one year to the next. He needs to take a big jump this year. But what, it, what was interesting on there was that Frankie Montas finished fifth. Yeah. At 8.2%, below Abbott, below Lodolo, below Ashcraft. And if he's worse than all of those guys, I think this team's in trouble. If he's healthy, if he's healthy and is worse than all of those guys, I think this team's in trouble. That was my initial reaction too, but I thought about it for a minute and I decided to frame it a different way, exactly what you were saying, that people are expecting Hunter Green to take a massive leap. So That's anyway. one guy. Well, they predict Ashcraft to be the second best pitcher, and you know how much I love my boy Graham Ashcraft. If I tell you what, if he can keep his peaks and and shorten his valleys, he could be a stud. A hundred percent. His uh, was it first six starts and last eleven were elite, elite right, stuff. What, what was it? Ten in the middle, something like that. Well, it was twelve in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> it was. And they were about they as, were not good. It was about as bad as it gets. Have you ever heard how he broke his toes? No. I hadn't either. I have to believe that he kicked something. <laughs> I mean, he watching, is a bit of a fiery, he is a bit of a fiery guy. Watching him compete, that would yeah. not surprise me a That's bit. What, that was always my thought. Well, the other yeah, thing, so. the other thing that ties into the Frankie Montas thing is. A further, a further question was, what was the team's best offseason addition? And he was the number one choice. Listen, these are Reds fans are pulling. We're not rational people. <laughs> oh, what else was By the seat right? of their pants. Uh, most people, I mean, the biggest prediction was between 82 and 89 wins. Which I would agree with. I'll be happy with that. I'd be happier up towards 89 than I will be down towards 82, but. The excitement level, the game number of games attended. Will the Reds Most play in World Series in the next five years? Ooh, I didn't see that one. 61% said yes. 39% said no. <laughs> I would like to see if you pulled every other franchise in Major League Baseball. Will the Reds make the World Series in the next five years? <laughs> what their, what those numbers would look like. I would We're not biased. If every other team polled their fan base about their team, how different their yeah. numbers would look. 
I mean, if you're the Dodgers or the Yankees, or you know, they're going to be, you know, 98% say yes. But, you know. Don't look, uh, at, don't look at the Oakland fans. I still hate the A's. <laughs> For it goes good back reason. to 1972 and I still hate the A's. For good reason. Yes. All right, we have a little bit more news. Um, the Reds got some new hats, spring training hats dropped, batting practice hats dropped. I hate that that counts for news, but it's been a slow offseason outside of a few things. Do you have any strong opinions about either of those hats? Um, sorry, sorry about that. I had to turn on the light. Um, good. I I think they're ugly, but I don't like the I, – I, Both I, of I, them? I, I think they look like softball hats. Um. But I don't like the the, the the city center uniforms either. So you know, and and as we were talking, we were joking about this down at the ball game that night, or at the you know at the bar before the game and everything. I know I'm in the vast minority. I'm you know I guess I'm yelling at the clouds again. Oh, Bill's yelling at clouds again. But I, I don't care for them, you know, and and I don't like these either. And and I like the black in the uniforms. So you know, mm-hmm. I know I'm in the minority. And I like the old the old vest uniforms. I love the vest uniforms. I'm gonna say, go back to the vest and no sleeves. Let it rip. Um, I yeah, think the spring training. son down there playing first base. Got to, <laughs> got to. Actually, probably be his grandson by now. But true. I think the uh, spring training hats are useless. They're the most boring thing they could have possibly come up with. It's all about the money, man. I get it, but get get a little creative with it. That's why I like the batting practice hats. I wouldn't like the bat. I would not like the batting practice hats if they were going to be used in regular on-the-field rotation. But because they're batting practice only and they got weird and they made softball hats, I think they're pretty dope. I know guess, you like, all the, you time. like the flat bills too, right? You like the flat, flat bills? Flat Fridays. You can see oh, me at the ballpark this year, Bill. Oh, I cannot. I can't pull off a flat brim. I can't do it. I've tried. I've tried every hat you could think of. My funny-shaped head just doesn't make it. That Unless, unless I'm on a boat or catching – You'll never see my hat on backwards. Now, I will rock a backwards hat. (laughs) Maybe I'll rock one of those bad practice caps. We'll see. Um, Last bit of news is that there will be one new person wearing a Reds uniform, at the very least, in spring training. And that was the most predictable signing of the offseason. Cincinnati native Josh Harrison has been signed to a minor league deal with a spring training invite. He lives, he lives about ways. He, he lives about five minutes that way from me. All right. Well then be kind with your take on this signing. Come TP uh, your house. I, I um no, he lives in a much more exclusive neighborhood than I do. Um <laughs> like you said, it's not surprising. Uh he's got an opt-out for sometime in March, I know, like March 26th or something. And it, something like that, yeah. I'm guessing if he's not playing well in spring training and it doesn't look like he's going to make this team, I think he opts out. I don't think he plays in Louisville. Um, I, is he on this team at the beginning of the season? I don't know. Should he be? I don't know. Um, he doesn't have anything to prove in spring training. I mean, I mean, I know he does, but but we always talk about sample size. You, you know, if he plays in 10, 15 spring training games, is that going to tell you whether he's going to help the team or not? I don't think so. Um, yeah, that's that's a good call. I mean, you know, from 2019 to 2022, his slash line was a 225 batting average, 319 on base, 374 slugging. That's not good. That's not and good. And it was, it was worse last year. Yeah. So, I mean, um, there's something to say, I guess, about veteran leadership. Part of me wonders if he's just like, hey, I'm going to give it one last shot before retiring. Might as well do it close to home. Yeah. I mean, if he home games, he could be in the ballpark in 45 minutes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other we'll, thing is, I mean, in, in, in all the discussion seems to be like the belief is it's going to come down to him or Barrero. And, sure. and if you don't, and if you don't believe in spring training, you're going to have to take a leap of faith to keep Barrero on this team. I mean, he, I think he's really going to have to come out and, and, and he's going to have to impress in spring training. Yeah. I suspect um, you're, I suspect you're right. I mean, Josh Harrison, at least you know Harrison, you know what you're getting. Right. The off, the offense is he's a light hitting utility man who's going to bring 
high floor, not high floor, but a higher floor than Jose Barrero's right. level of consistency to he, this lineup. And I mean, go ahead. Is there is there is there a chance that the Barreras figured something out? I hope so. Yes. You know, I hope <laughs> There's so. Always I, a chance. I mean, if Barrera doesn't work out, that's going to he might he might come in here and be Josh Hamilton. This is why I can never be a scout. Or I can never be a good scout because I watch Jose Barrero move around a baseball field, and you're like, that guy's got it. He is so talented. That athletic ability is insane. And then you watch what he's done in the batter's box in the big leagues, and it's just atrocious. I hope so, because if he can just be league average, then his versatility, his athleticism, could really do wonders for this lineup. He gives you a backup Whereas, in center field that they don't have right now. Mm-hmm. You can play a couple middle, a couple infield spots, can play yeah. a couple outfield spots. Now, if Josh Harrison is just doing Josh Harrison things, that doesn't move the needle at all. A right. good Jose Barrero could move the needle a little bit. So I'd rather see him take that chance, but – like you said, Josh Harrison has nothing to prove. Jose Barrero does. Yep. He needs to come. If he comes out and stinks it up, even with a small sample size, he's out of options. We might right. be saying goodbye to him and talking about him as a as an obscure former Red. Well, and, and yeah, we're talking about the probably the twenty sixth guy on the ballpark on the ball on the ball club. Yeah, uh, him and Stu. Yeah. And anyway, I I would I would. Assuming he comes in there and doesn't look awful in spring training, he would be my pick because I, you know, he's got a chance of getting better. Harrison's not going to get mm-hmm. any better than he is now. That's um, that's the entire equation and, for me. And this Ibrera is the, still like has potential. Yep. And this is the twenty-sixth guy on your ball club. If you're going to take a, a leap of faith, you want to do it with the twenty-sixth guy. You know. Yeah, Barrera's athleticism turned him into a a plus, plus, plus defender somewhere and Mm -hmm. let him run the bases. Yep. I don't know. We'll see. These guys are smarter than I am, so who knows what's going to happen, but I'm on Team Barrera. Yeah, I I, kind of am too. You know, if he comes into spring training and plays reasonably well, to me, he's he's that last guy. Yeah, barring some signing that we haven't seen yet. Cody Bellinger, still out there. Knowing what we know now. All right, so there's been a lot of discussion, Bill, about, um, I guess, as, as it relates to these progressions, why they don't seem to be giving enough credit to this amazing core of rookies that the Reds had last year. And that got us talking about how do we feel about their 20, 2024 performances versus last year? Are there going to be sophomore slumps? Um, are... Are we a little too optimistic on some of these guys? So we thought it could be fun to do a one of our classic buy, sell, hold episodes where we throw out some opinions and discuss whether we are buying it as in, yes, we think this is true, selling it as we think it's not true, or holding, we're taking the easy way out and we don't want to make a decision either way. We, uh, we frown upon holding in this podcast. We like to buy or sell. Feelings, no facts. So uh, we actually also got our viewers, our Patreon family, to help out with some of these. So we're going to throw out a couple ourselves, get some help from the Patreon community, and we're going to tell you how we feel about some of the storylines, some of the opinions that we have and the other people have heading into this 2024 season for our main segment. So we've talked a lot about this guy, and I see no better way to start this segment than to say, um, Bill, are you going to buy, sell, or hold Matt McClain? will have a better year in 2024 than he did in 2023. I've got him as a small regression. Uh, mm-hmm. I got him – I could see his OPS being somewhere around 120. He was at 129 last year. You know, but I, but I think he'll hit over 20 home runs. I think he's like a three-war guy, three-wins-of-replacement mm-hmm. guy, uh, which I'll take that all day long. That's very good. Yeah, I, I, but you I You like that from your second baseman. Yeah, I don't think he's I don't think he's as good as what we saw. I don't think he'll be as good as what we saw last year. So I think I'm gonna sell this also. Um that's why I was so shocked by that 60% saying that he's gonna have the best career. I think he's really good. I think it's important to remember that he played in 89 games last year. So please yep. stay healthy, Matt McClain. His numbers were ridiculous. 129 OPS plus, 864 OPS. That 507 slugging 
is pretty well. Now he plays great defense, so that glove's always going to play, and I think he's going to have a very good season. But some of the advanced stuff isn't particularly kind. They say he got a little bit lucky. I mean, some of that you create your own luck with speed and chaos. Yeah, but, I mean, um, he, he had 16 home runs and 400 plate appearances. I mean, so yeah. I don't think saying he's going to hit over 20 is any big stretch. Uh, I don't think so either. I mean, he he showed some things that surprised even the most optimistic of us. Mm-hmm. Now, could it be because he had a down 2022? So some of his uh, prospect pedigree tapered off a little bit. I don't know, but he was awesome last year. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we're both wrong. I hope he hit far exceeds. I could, I could see him putting up worse offensive numbers, but over 140 games, and I'll take that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and that's when he came up last year is when they when their season turned around when they started to win. Hundred yeah. percent. Now whether you know you can give him some of that credit and you know whatever, but things happen at you know for at certain times for certain reasons. So I was yeah. I'm I'm very high on him just because I don't think he's going to be quite as good as he, you know his numbers are going to be as high as they were last year doesn't mean I don't think that think he's a really really good player. Yeah, couldn't agree more. That's a great way to put it. Plus, he's just to go ahead and uh, ask the same question about some of the other guys that are going to be uh, integral to this season. Um, by Sarah Holt, Ty Steve having a better year than 2023. Yes. Yeah, I'm he, buying he, it too, and, and for a very different reason than Matt McClain. I just think right. he's better than he was last year. He was not very good. I think is I th- well he's he's coming into his peak age years where he should be continue. You know he should be hitting his peak. I think he had a bad year last year offensively. I, I think you know he was, he was at eighty seven OPS plus. I think he'll be between a hundred and hundred and ten. I think he'll be above mm-hmm. average, maybe a one and a half, maybe two wins above replacement guy. And if he and if his defense gets better, I, I'm thrilled. Yeah, I mean, I, if his defense I, gets better and he gets that bat up to a uh, anything yeah. above 100 OPS plus, then you've got yeah, a cornerstone. I, I struggle. I struggle with his defense, especially on pitches down. Uh, but you know, I was hanging out with my buddy Clay, who friend of the podcast, um, definitely one of the Patreon family, was a catcher, played college baseball, and he has been harping on this from day one. It's this. Knee down stance, one leg down catcher stance. It blows his mind, and I would like to hear from a professional catcher to see what their take on it is. But it seems like somebody with Tyler Stevenson's massive frame losing some of the agility that comes with not being able to pivot one way or the other. It just seems obvious to me, and I'm sure it's not. But I'm with you right there. I, I hope they figure that out. And if you follow him on social media, you know he's in the lab working nonstop. So. We'll see, but I, I, I'm with you. I want. I remember back. There used to be a guy that used to play catcher here. His number was five, and I don't ever remember oh, yeah. him catching a ball on one knee, ever. I've, I've heard of that guy. <laughs> if we're gonna follow anybody, maybe maybe the best to ever do it. Um, another really interesting one: PJ Friedel, buy, sell, or hold. He will surpass his 2023 numbers in the upcoming season. I would sell on him. Not a whole. I don't think he's going to be terrible, but I, I, I think he's going to. If I was predicting, I'd have him between 100 and 110. Um, I think he'll hit 20 home runs. I think he'll be more like his 22 numbers than he was his, than will be his 23 numbers. And, and he's another guy that this team needs him to stay healthy. And that that may be the most important thing for him is staying healthy. But he's another guy for age wise. He's hitting his peak age yeah. years. That's why I'm going to – I wanted to hold it, but that's the uh, that's the easy way out. That's weak, and I'm not going to do that. The, the audience deserves better. I'm going to I'm gonna buy this. I think he is going to actually surpass last year's numbers. Here's why. He has a few things that are slump-proof because he can lay down bunts to get hits. Um, he's got some speed, so he's going to sneak a few in there. Um, you brought up 2022, which is completely fair. I choose to believe, and it was the narrative at the time, that he was struggling in 22, went down, made a very specific change to his swing, and he was awesome for the rest of 2022, and he was pretty darn consistent last year. Had a little yes, bit were. of a dip in the dog days, but for the vast majority of the season, he was the same player all season long. 
And I think, like you said, health. I throw health out of the equation. Every team is worried about their their players' health. I think that he is that guy that we saw last year and another full season of the big leagues without having to worry about his spot in the lineup, whether he's going to get sent back down or not, is only going to benefit him. And he's going to have a slightly better year this year. Now, I think well, I he's, hope you're right. You know, he's not the prospect that some of these guys that we love are and were, but not everybody is. So I think he's not going to have this long sustained run, perhaps, but we're going to get three to five years of a very, very solid TJ Friedel. Well, and, you know, he had a 352 on base. And if he can improve that a little bit at the top of the lineup, he's setting a table for some big bats behind it. 100%. He's going to have a lot more protection this year than he did last year. Yep. Um, let's let's move on a little bit. We are already at 45 minutes in this bad boy. I do want to get to this guy because I know this is your boy. Spencer Steer, this coming season versus last. I This think is a he- tough one. He's another one that I, I would sell on a little bit. Not dramatically. I don't think he's going to drop off the table. But I could see him being a two-and-a-half wins above replacement guy at 110, 115. You know, just a small drop-off. I think I think playing full-time in the outfield is going to, I don't know, I, affect his offense. I, you know, he, he, maybe he's going to feel like he has to try to drive the ball a little more because he's playing in the outfield than he did in the past. I, I, I hope not. He, he drove I, plenty. I hope not, too. Uh, I think I basically I was looking at the baseball reference projections and, and I basically agree with the baseball re- reference projections for him. I I struggle with this one a lot. There's a strong argument to be made that he was the uh, most important offensive player for the Reds mm-hmm. last year, especially if you include games played. He didn't have the best lash line, sure, but it was one of the best lash lines, and he played in 156 freaking games. That is so many games. So if he tails off even a little bit, he can still be incredibly valuable. But because, you know, this is a podcast. We're here for the content, baby. He's going to be even better. (laughs) I I do see Spencer Steer maybe tailing off a little bit the batting average side of things. Not a lot. But I can see him hitting more bombs. I can see him becoming a uh, 25-plus home run guy. I was going to say that. I I said I agreed with his projections on baseball reference, and I went back and looked. They've only got him at sixteen or eighteen home runs, and I, I think he'll easily hit twenty. Uh, yeah, I think you can pencil I, him I as, as twenty home I run could, guy for the rest of I his career. I can see his batting average dropping off a little bit, but you know, OPS. I think he'll be around eight hundred, which is what you know, basically what they're predicting. But I think, and and, and this is true with almost all the pro- projections that I looked at for these guys. I think their prediction they're predicting all of the Reds' home runs low. I could not agree more. It blew my mind. Guys like Jamer Candelario, who hit, you know, 23 or 26, whatever it was last year, that would have translated, because they can track this now, to 33, I think, at Great American Ballpark, 30 or 33, and they're projecting him to get 22. I don't I don't understand how they're coming up with some of this stuff. But that's for them and the computers, not me. They're probably people that wear those new Apple I think, VR I think headsets. Has, yeah, I think this team has four or five 20-plus home run guys. I did too. That was one of my bold predictions in that episode. I think they have potentially five and multiple 30 home run guys. That's a little more bold, but I think the 20 home yeah. run threshold is in play for um I mean maybe even Tyler Stevenson, but definitely Spencer Steer, Jonathan India, Ellie, um Will Benson. I mean, shoot. Say, well TJ Friedel had eight, TJ had 18 last year. Well, I mean saying Will's gonna hit 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 hit, hit you know 20. When he only had 11 last year, and, and you, you don't know how much he's going to play. That's true, but. I think he's I, a 15 home run guy. Just like I think Marte's a 15 home run guy. You know, so we don't we don't talk about Will Benson's slander on this podcast. We won't stand for it. I, I like I think I think, I think Marte, Marte might be a 15 home run guy this year, but I think he's going to project to be about a 25 home run guy once he hits his peak. But he's still 11 years old. I think CES I, is, a, is a 20 home run guy if he gets enough playing time. I think CES is a 20 home run guy if he bunts only. <laughs> that guy just hits bombs. He's massive. All right, let's get this train rolling. Uh, Thomas Dennis, let's get to the uh, viewer mail portion of the bicep hole. Speaking of Noelvi, Noelvi Marte will bring more value in his first seven years for the Reds than Luis Castillo in his seven post Cincinnati years. 
Um, I have made a new rule where I'm not looking up viewer mail questions. I want to go feelings, no facts, because I feel like I can get, I can become a slave to the analytics. And I am selling this one, and I don't know if there's anybody on the planet higher than me on Noel V. Marte. I think for me, the question is Noel V. or Ellie for the face of the franchise five years down the road. I love both those dudes, but I, but I love Noel V. Marte. But Luis Castillo is a stud. He, he's a guy guy. <laughs> and his time post-Cincinnati has already been awesome. He's not slowing down. He's projected to lead the, uh, the AL and ERA this year. I'm sure ERA is a false stat, but I think I'm going to sell it. Now, you could splice this up and say, go, go, go from 2025 to 2035. Right. And I'll take Marte. But I think that Marte's got a few years before he hits his prime, and Castillo is currently right in the thick of his prime. Yep. I, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I, I don't know that it's a fair a, a fair comparison. You know, talk about – What's you, fair? You, if you want to talk about five to seven years peak, I mean, that's a whole different question. Ooh, that is a different question. That's a fun yeah. question. But but as of right now, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm with you. I'd have to take Castillo. Yeah. Sorry, Noelby. Still love you, Bubba. Uh, Joey Gaditza says, Hi, Joey. buy, sell, or hold. Ellie will hit 25 or more bombs. What you got, Bill? I've got him over 20 easy. I, I would say, yeah. I I, I think uh, the, the numbers on ba- the baseball reference has for Ellie are low. I think mm-hmm. his OPS plus is going to be, I don't know if it'll be much over 100, but I think he'll be over average this year, which is, a, you know, he was at 89 last year. So that's a pretty nice improvement. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm was, buying in. Oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. He, he was playing well. You know, he had seemed to kind of turn a corner again at the end of the season. He looked like he started to figure some things out. Uh, you've been re- reading that he's made some some swing changes in the winter. You know, and we'll have to see how that goes. You know, we hear we hear that from certain guys every year. We heard That's that with, we heard that with Barrero, you know, three or four times. I hope he makes um, a couple more. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, I think Ellie continues to get to be a better player. Uh, I'm hoping the other thing I'm hoping is that he spends some time with Barry Larkin on defense. Learns how to be a terrible broadcaster. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it was funny because when Ellie was struggling, you know, there defensively for that, I don't know, it was, you know, a while there towards the end of the season, Barry was seeming to notice, you know, basic fundamental thing mistakes he was making, you know, letting the yeah. ball get in on him too much and that kind of thing. And, and, and I hope that Barry Larkin will work with him and, you know, take care of those minor flaws. But his range and his arm, if he constant, you know, if he concentrates and does, you know, the, the fundamentals, he could be the best shortstop in the game. For sure. Which is fun because some people say he's not the best defensive shortstop in the red system, but that's not what Joe's question is about. <laughs> 25 home runs or more. I'm I'm buying it. I'm buying the more for a bunch of reasons. One you alluded to, his um, plate discipline improved dramatically over the last month and a half or so of the season. Cut down the strikeouts, cut down the swinging strikes, and he started swinging at pitches in the zone, whereas he was chasing everything for a while. Yes, he was he letting was. strikes go by. He was, he was mixed up. There's just that gap between AAA and Major Leagues is massive, and people don't realize it. Um, another reason is that he's going to have all the protection in the order. None of this leadoff nonsense. None of, the, none of this David Bell expecting him to come and just act like he's the savior right? from day one. He'll have protection. And B, I don't know if you saw my Twitter post today. He's looking jacked. He took some pictures with the cutoff sleeves. Ellie's looking yoked up. So he's he, on- he, we're going to put him in the vests. He, yeah, he, he's definitely wearing the vest with pride. He, uh, He's put on some country beef this offseason, and um, I think that's going to translate to 30-plus for young Ellie. I'm expecting a big year from Ellie. I can't wait. Because you know what's more? Baseball, as a Reds fan, is going to be so – remember when he came up and set the league on fire oh, his yeah. first few weeks? Imagine a whole season of that when when well, every news media outlet is talking about him for four months because he's the most electrifying player in baseball. Well, that, that and that's going back to something you were saying a few minutes ago. Ellie came up and, like you said, set the world on fire. Then pitchers and teams adjusted to him, and he struggled for a 
quite a period of time. But then, you know, he and the coaching staff or whatever made adjustments, and then he seemed to be improving. The game is all about adjustments. You know, at once yeah. you think they got you figured, you think you got it figured out, they're going to switch something up on you. Yeah. And if he's smart enough and with the coaching staff, you can help him enough and they can make those adjustments, there's, there is no ceiling for him. Yeah, 100%. When it comes down to it, I'll put my money on the guy that was blessed by the gods with the most natural ability of maybe anyone I've ever seen. Best I've seen since Eric Davis. Which is saying something. Yes. All right, next question. James Urban. I sell or hold the Reds will win two division titles in the next five years. Hmm. I'll go first. I'm going to buy. I think the Central is down this year, and they're going to take it. More because the Central is, I expect everybody else to be bad than the Reds to be setting the world on fire. And then they only have to win the division once out of the next four after that. But the more I sit here and think about it, they've only made the playoffs six times since I've been alive. I was going to say, how many times have they made the playoffs? <laughs> so the, uh, the realist in me wants me to sell this, but I'm buying because I believe in these young studs that we have a lot of control over. How about you, Bill? Yeah, I think I, I think I'd buy into that one. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's funny. You know, I grew like everybody. I've said a million times. You know, I grew up in the big red machine era, and I thought that's the way baseball was always going to be here. And then the '80s came around. <laughs> I want to. I want somebody to write the book on uh, Bill Lack in the '70s. Not just baseball related. The whole thing. We uh, we're gonna we, we we've got an idea for, you know, that we're gonna. Uh, uh, program that we're going to do once we get everything together where we're going to talk about games we attended when we were our best games we ever saw so there'll be a little bit of that uh the the, the night pete rose came back to manage the reds um we had 17 folks sitting out in the green seats in center field and i had i i I had a beer or two that night (laughs) my my girlfriend at the time decided she was going to drink beer with the boys that night. Uh oh, it didn't end well. <laughs> Subscribe to the Riverfront YouTube channel so you can get the rest of that story in a later episode. That's that's the loudest I've ever heard a ballpark. Yeah, I can imagine thirty-five or thirty thirty-five thousand people were all there were that night when Pete came back. It's the loudest I've ever been in a ballpark. Wow. Anyway, yeah, I cannot wait to hear more about that. Um, next question, Kyle Kapler, Rhett Louder, Red's first round draft pick in the uh, most recent draft starts 10 plus games this summer. Bill? I assume he means for the Reds. Well, I was going to say I'm buying it. If he just means in general, if, if, I'm if, selling if, it for the Reds. If he sold, if he starts 10 games for the Reds, that's not good. That's probably not good. I guess there's a world where he yeah. sets the miners on fire and they, can't keep yeah. him down, but you can always find an excuse to keep a pitcher down a little bit longer, especially I mean, when I, I, I has zero professional innings. I assume he's going to start in double A. I'm, I'm guessing. Um, I think you're right. You know, so he will be there till at least Memorial Day, I would assume. But I do think he's on that fringe of the Reds' fantastic depth that I keep harping on. Yeah. You, you hope to not need Rhett Louder this season. Right. But the fact that if things go a certain way and he performs, he could be in the mix. It's pretty exciting for me. So yeah. we're, we're, we're selling you, Kyle. Um, Rich Thompson asked an A or B question that I have turned into a two-part buy-sell hold. He said, buy-sell hold, a healthy starting rotation is the most important piece of the Reds' playoff puzzle. What do you think? Yes. Okay. You're buying that? Yep. I... I'm going to sell it. I think it is the second most important piece because the Reds were this close to making the playoffs last year with a disaster of a rotation. Now, I think it's the most important if they plan to advance in the playoffs and have World Series aspirations. But just to make the playoffs, I'm going to make that number two, which leads to the second part of Rich's offering. The 2023 rookies progressing, plus a little Candelario action, are the most integral piece of the puzzle. And that's where I say yes. I think that if this offense can do what I believe it's capable of, it can withstand for a regular season's time a mediocre starting rotation. Do you do you think that 
how would you define that by 796 runs or do you need, or do you think more than that? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> a thousand, thousand no, runs. Most don't runs ever. With numbers. Most runs ever. I ran out of wine. I can't, I can't dive into the, uh, the analytics on that one. That's so yeah, you, you didn't bring the bottle. Classic rookie move. That's rookie right. Move. Um, I get it though. I can see the rotation. If the rotation's above average, then this team makes the playoffs. Yep. So we'll, we'll see. see. I'm, just, I'm just excited. You know, ticks dig the long ball. Um, a couple more questions just to wrap this up real quick. Uh, non buy sell hold edition. Seth Shaner. And as always, these are viewer mail questions from our friends at patreon.com slash Since you where you too can join the family. Seth says, am I the only one drowning my sorrows over Joey Votto seemingly not coming back by buying up all the Votto baseball cards I can find on eBay? I feel pretty confident that you are not the only person doing that. But I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope that he comes back, Bill. Hey, Seth, I think you're bidding against Chad. <laughs> you guys should just work together on this. You can drive you need the- to communicate. Drive the price down, split the cards in the middle. Jordan Salisbury asked a great question that I do not have a good answer for. He says, good day, gentlemen. It's a pleasant way to be greeted. Good day to you as well, sir. I was wondering if anyone would be able to tell me exactly what the state of Reds TV broadcast currently is right now. It all seems a bit confusing with the Valley Sports Channel going bankrupt. I have no freaking clue, Jordan. Um, Bill, maybe you have some insight, but the more I look at it, the more confusing it gets, Rob Manfred just announced today that there's a scenario where MLB can uh, have a streaming platform, but for only half the teams, which is also mind-blowing to me. Why would you even have the streaming platform if only 50% of the teams are on it? It's It, it, it boggles the mind that they don't make this sport, which people keep telling me is dying, why they don't make it more accessible to the fans. I don't know. Bill, any other insight? Uh, on, on this question, I read a while back, and this may have changed since then, that the Reds games were going to be on Bally this year. And I have not heard anything any different. So I'm assuming on my DirecTV, my Bally Sports, which is where I watch the Blue Jackets and whatever else, that the Reds will be there. Yeah, as far I understand as that to be true. Yeah, for 2024, I think that's the case. After that, I have no sneaking yeah. clue. And I think it could change at any time. Right. Um, next question or next statement comes from Joe Farfsing. He says, Uh-oh. recast classic television program Saved by the Bell using the 2006 Reds. And I'll tell you what, Joe, we're not going to do that right now. But but I want you to join me on a podcast during the dog days when we just don't have much to talk about or maybe as a bonus episode where you and I go through and we will recast Saved by the Bell using only the 2006 Cincinnati Reds. I can't wait. I'm glad, you didn't me, I'm glad you didn't ask me to do that because I couldn't have told you anybody on Saved by the Bell. Oh, man. That was right in my prime. That was like watching ep- episodes before going to school. As soon as you got home from school because it was TBS, so they came on at like, you know, 4.05 instead of just 4 because TBS is weird. Right. Saved by the Bell was my, was my jam. I only knew I, the, the, the one guy, uh, Mark – what's his name, Mark? Mark Paul Gosseler. Who I, I knew him from NYPD Blue. <laughs> An AC Slater. Kelly Kapowski, my man. Kelly Kapowski. Still beautiful to this day. All right, last question comes from Hooper Powell. He says, my niece just got employment with the Braves marketing department. What would your dream job be in Major League Baseball? I assume this means not as a player because I definitely had some really, really dumb dreams of playing professional baseball for probably a couple couple years too many. Um, What about you, Bill? I would love to. I would love to have a chance to try to announce. Yeah, I can see you being good at that. I don't know if I'd be good at it, but I'd like to try it. Well, it depends on how many beer, beers you're allowed to have during the broadcast. I could. I, I'll be in the. I'll give you in the Joe Nuxall seat. You know, people be like, "Yeah, Bill, he's pretty go, pretty okay for the first five innings, but six through nine, he really takes it home until they close the beer stand." <laughs> Joe, Joe Nuxall dropped the beer on my wife's head at the ballpark one time. Amazing. That deserves a whole podcast. Um, For me, I would have loved to have been a GM back in the day. I always thought that was the most interesting part of 
um, the baseball front office. Now I would just like to be to still an old Bill Simmons sports guy role, the uh, the, the the Reds czar, the czar of baseball operations, where every decision that is made, they just have to run by me where I'm be like, it makes sense or it doesn't make sense. So many times the team's like, well, let's do this thing where every other opponent says, yes, please, Reds, go do that. Now the Reds fans are saying, no, 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 no. Maybe we don't do that. And then they need a czar to just be like, all right, I'll give you my blessing. Or, or you could be commissioner of baseball, and you could we could have a commissioner of baseball that actually likes baseball. Oh, you know what? That's it. That is 100% it. There you go. And that is where we're going to wrap this up. Bill, any parting words of wisdom? I never have a word of wisdom. <laughs> well, any just <laughs> random words? I just try to string them together. I love it. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please go check out um, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Riverfront Cincy. We have a lot going on at the Riverfront. We've got Riverfront. You are recovered from college sports. We've got the Bengals show. We've got Tim and Ben over there at Late Night Reds crushing it live on Sunday nights. Not this Sunday. Super Bowl. Go Bengals. Never mind. Um, lots of good content over at RiverfrontCincy.com. We're bringing it to you. We're having a good time doing it. So please come join it. Um, one more time, shout out to the Patreon family. Love you guys. Would love to have more of you. So come join this awesome, awesome community that's been built. Uh, thank you, Bill, for coming. And shout out to Adam Dunn. Shout out to Lisa Salverto Bonilla, who played in the Caribbean series this weekend. Maybe witnessed by friend of the show, Chris Garber. Yep. Shouts to you, Mr. Wayne Crinchicki and Eli Cash for Bill Lack. This is Nate Dawson saying, so long, Cincinnati. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.